Hey, I want to talk to you about a very special podcast that is going into its second season, Veronica Mars Investigates. Their second season is going to premiere on March 24th, and a little bit about Veronica Mars Investigates. It is a very, very cool recap podcast, and if you like very, very cool recap podcasts like this one, you're probably going to like that one. It's hosted by Jenny Owen Youngs from the hit Buffy recap podcast, Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and Helen Zaltzman from the award-winning entertainment podcasts, The Illusionists, and Answer Me This. They are podcast royalty, and they have come together to create this show about the Veronica Mars television show. And if you haven't watched Veronica Mars television show, it is a teen comedy drama thriller noir. You can hear the first season of Veronica Mars Investigates now on all the podcast places and at vmipod.com. But season two, March 24th, get ready. You'll enjoy it. The sun is bright, the moon is irrelevant, and we are light and light and light and light. We're light. Think back, look forward, listen timelessly. Good morning, Night Vale. Hello, everybody. Hi, y'all. I'm Hal Lublin. I play Steve Carlsberg, and I'm 80 miles outside of Santa Fe. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey Craner, I co-write Welcome to Night Vale, and I am 80 miles outside of Santa Fe. And I'm Symphony Sanders. I play Tamika Flynn, and I am sitting out here parked by a lake. <laughs> I remember that old lake. Do you remember yeah. it? The one by Santa Fe. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 80 miles outside? Yeah. <laughs> 80 miles. Yeah, okay. just outside of Santa Fe. Um, and what are we doing here? We are here to talk about... Welcome to Night Vale, because we love it. We are involved with this show. It is our life. It is our love. And we're here to talk to you. Should we tell the episode that we're yeah, doing and describe them. it? We're doing yeah, you a, do that. Oh, you said earlier we're doing episode 49, A and B, Old Oak Doors. The description of this episode is, Night Vale begins its revolt against Strex Corp, and Old Oak Doors are opening all over town. Good things are coming through. Terrible things are coming through. Also, there's a mayoral election. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. I have a question before we jump in. Which one of you writes the episode descriptions or was writing them at this time? Did you switch off? Um, I used to write most of them at the start. I used to kind of like, like the first few years of Night Vale, they were like, I would kind of say like, here's the main story. Mm -hmm. And then plus other like smaller news items. Sure. Nowadays we kind of do just like the one sentence description. But yeah, usually those are, those are mine. That feels like the early days of a podcast. Like you're like, I'm going to write a great description uh-huh. that people will definitely read. <laughs> yep. They will go through all of it. And then you get to the point of like, oh, they're listening. I'm just going to, this episode stuff happens. Yeah. <laughs> Find out what? Press play. Yeah. The, <laughs> new, the new episode that went up yesterday was basically just, just I, IDK. That's all I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You should just keep writing it, but like in different languages. It's like, je ne sais pas. Yeah. <laughs> So this episode, we start out with uh, Lauren Mallard and Kevin Strex, Sinnerness, Inc., um, basically taking over, coming in, talking smack. They're throwing a lot of shade. Well, Kevin, in particular, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is throwing shade at Lauren a lot. Um, And they're just basically recapping, talking about all the things that the problems with Night Vale, like how they can't eat wheat or delicious wheat byproducts. Delicious wheat. Delicious Delicious. byproducts. Um, (laughs) 
like they, that might be my like favorite duo to write for because we don't write a lot of dialogue for Night Vale. Mm-hmm. It's usually just one person speaking at a time. Right. But like Kevin and Kevin are free and Lauren Sharp, the two actors that play Kevin and Lauren on the show are a delight to write for because they're both really chipper, chipper mm-hmm. people. So it's fun <laughs> writing really awful things for them yeah. to say <laughs> the most evil shit. Uh, it's really great. Um, and they do say quite a lot of evil shit. They do. I mean, in the in the most positive way, tyrann- talking about pteranodons, they're not actually dinosaurs. They're arachnids, I think. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that actually... Uh, Is that one true? Of, Is that actually true? I don't know anything about pteranodons. They are arachnids. No, early... One of the early episodes of Night Vale, there's like in the first three episodes, there's a moment where like a pteranodon yeah. comes through like a time, a tear in space time and terrorizes the PTA meeting in episode three or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah we remember that one. And I... Um, you guys know that. Um, sure. You guys should uh, listen to all the episodes. <laughs> I remember early on when we started having, uh, you know, started noticing like a fan base and I, I was on Twitter and somebody messaged me on Twitter being like, we kept calling the Pteranodon a dinosaur and they were listening to the episode and they messaged me on Twitter being like, Pteranodon is not a dinosaur. And I was like, did you listen to the whole episode? Because the end of the episode is all just a big thing of like, Pteranodons are not dinosaurs. And I just watched this person just complain at me like two or three tweets in a row and then finally I was like, oh, I just got to the end. I'm really sorry. <laughs> so before you add anyone, listen to the whole fucking episode. Yeah. You know they, what I mean? They well actually themselves. They did well right actually into a corner. themselves. Yeah. Right into a damn corner. Uh, these two episodes, which were we did live at Town Hall in 2014, it was a June of 2014. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is sort of, at this point, sort of the infinity war of Night Vale. Yeah. Because yeah. you've gathered pretty much everybody who's ever done a voice on, that is everybody who's ever done a voice on the show up to that point, mm-hmm. except maybe Annie and Jackson. Those are the only two that were not there. Yeah. That had performed at some point, but yep. they weren't, all the recurring people were there. And it feels like, it's such a revolving door. And I remember being there. We were constantly in a state of, all right, who's going on? Who's coming yeah. off? And there's a, a lot of that even starting with Hiram coming out. And then here come Kevin and Laura. And then Tamika's there. And uh, how much of a challenge is that? Because it feels like everybody gets a hero moment or a villain moment. Yeah. And and the, the ballet of that all. Was that sort of a big consideration of how do we even logistically figure this out? Yeah, that was really hard because it was, I mean, that was kind of early on when we were doing, we'd just been doing like a, we were only half a year into touring regularly. Mm -hmm. And so, and then here we are like touring this live show and just learning how to tour and how to do any of this. And then we got this, uh, we got the space at Town Hall and we're like, holy crap, we have to do a show at Town Hall and let's do, hey, you know what? Let's write a full hour long episode with 15 people in it or whatever it was. (laughs) No big, NBD. Yeah, because at the time we were just like, we could have all these people and it would be a delight to have all these people because we love, let's have all of our friends come over for a party, (laughs) which is great for a party when all you have to do is like pick up booze and food but for this you like actually have to write a 6,000 word episode and you're like oh no yeah and everybody has to have a reason to be out there and and so yeah it really was like this it was a very stressful episode to write because you have to get everyone in everyone has to have a purpose to the story in some form or fashion yeah I don't think the scope of it hit me until we had a rehearsal a couple days before Joseph's apartment and we were all like cramped in and try like we did the normal thing of like let's all sit in a circle there's no way this circle of people would fit in this room in a living room yeah Uh, and it was and that was the first time I saw the script I think I think we got the script then those bagels were delicious it was amazing the bagels were great (laughs) look I know you all come here for the food content that's really (laughs) what we're about a plus bagels, that's what you get in New York. Must be the water, right? 
the water, totally the water makes all the, the bagels really good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that and then we did it. We did it twice in a night, which which was nice. That's a luxury that we don't get on the road, like with the same audience. You always get to do a show again when you're traveling, but it's always new people, and you don't get to do it right away. So you have time to sort of ruminate, as opposed to like I just did it. I'm going to make adjustments and then go do it again immediately. Uh, that was a, that was a real kind of luxury for that show in particular. Yeah, it really was. And it, it I mean the two show night is such a such a big undertaking too. But also like this was an episode that we wrote and like we did show everybody the script like the day before at rehearsal. Like yeah. here's your script. <laughs> and uh <laughs> and so yeah, so it, it is it is stressful. You have a lot to work through. You don't really there's not really a full on. We don't give a lot of notes either. So it's just I don't know, do the thing and then you'll figure it out. You're awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, right. that's the, that's our note session. It's like it's like okay, what what do you think? Did you, did you like that? Should I change anything? No, that was good. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you make your you learn to make your own uh, decisions. Um, but this was also one of the first times that I think many of us had met each other. Some some people knew. I mean, you guys knew everybody, but like I hadn't met. Jessica before, or I had met Hal once um, because this was very soon after I joined the cast because mm-hmm. um, I'd gone on like one tour with you guys um, for the no librarian 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 yeah, yeah. that was my first um, shows with you guys but this was my first like podcast episode. Oh yeah, that's right. That was the first time you. No, we had heard me before, baby. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but now they love me. Yeah, and I'm here for it. um and i remember it was like down like the green room was like down like under the stage yeah in the basement kind of in the basement and there were really good snacks yeah i remember that and there was a massage therapist yeah there which never happens that was really cool there was a massage therapist there yeah i didn't know that i would have gotten a massage they had like a little one of those little kneeling chairs where you put your legs through and like and then somebody would just come massage you they would put your face in the hall yeah, like an elemental would appear out of the brick wall and <laughs> like, start ooh, massaging you. Ooh. I'm here for you. Yeah, absolutely. We had just done Thrilling Adventure Hour there a few months before. Yes. So it was neat to come back. Like I felt like, oh, I got a clean sweep. I did both shows in the same theater. But it was meeting a lot of people. I, I hadn't met Maureen uh, mm-hmm. prior to that. Uh, I don't know if I'd met Kevin yet. That no, you wouldn't. I don't think. I think you would have met Kevin yet because yeah. he hadn't really been out on tour with us. But uh, yeah, that was really cool. It was it was a good moment to see how big the family was, and John has basically a full band with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. the other cool thing we hadn't had like a full band come with because it, it's usually just John or Disparition, as you probably know him. He's just usually like on his keyboard or a mandolin, you know, jamming the hot tunes. Mm-hmm. Um, but this time he had a, a guitarist. Um, there was. Two singers, mm-hmm. um, include Deep D and Valerie, and Kyra was playing on the on the French horn. Do-do-do. Yeah, I believe yeah. Kyra. Might I can think of the word. Too. Yeah, French horn. Yes. Um, yeah, so it was very, it was very cool to uh, have like such a large group of people all collaborating, collaborating together, and because they must have had rehearsals before, because they you can't just like be like, oh yeah, let's jam five, six, seven, eight. I'm always surprised right? at musicians, though. Sometimes they, I'm just amazed at their ability to, like, John on tour, we were at some venue and 
the UK somewhere and they had this really old piano downstairs in this like old stone basement and he just got on the piano and he just started playing this beautiful just full sound of, of a song on it and I was like what are you playing he's like I'm just riffing I was like, oh, oh my god I just like it was just it was so stunningly beautiful and I I'm, I'm always in awe of that so I just sometimes I just I look at I'm probably uh it's probably a bad assumption, but I was like, oh, you guys can just do that. You can just make a music without practicing. <laughs> They're just like improving the whole time. Yeah, no, John is, uh, if there's a piano anywhere in the vicinity of backstage, he will be on it, like the whole time, like just on it and then like eating bread and then playing. <laughs> That's mainly what John eats is yeah. bread and butter. Pianist fuel is bread. <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> mm. um, but he was killing it during uh, this show, obviously being coordinating all the music and whatnot. Um, and as we uh, go through, when Cecil finally comes on after, after Lauren and Kevin have uh, rudely interrupted Meg, emceeing, mm-hmm. getting ready to introduce, um, it's also fun hearing the audience. This is like the first time we get to hear live audience in the... Yeah. In the episodes. Um, and that was really fun to hear. And when Cecil comes on and, uh, you know, talk, and he usually doesn't do a call to, for Night Vale to do anything, right? He's usually like, oh, it's fine. Just like keep going. <laughs> like don't mm-hmm. worry about it. And, um, but th- in the beginning of this episode, he calls for Night Vale to free itself to, for the revolution to start. And uh, of course, faces a woman, Hiram, Hiram come in. I'm always amazed when uh, he does all of those Jack Jackson does all of the voices of the mm-hmm. different heads. Like, I don't know how you keep those straight in your mind. And I'm thinking about the script as well. It's like purple head, gold yes. head. And so you have to go click into another character very quickly. So it's seamless. He's really amazing too. Like Jackson public is, is so good at those voices and it was really fun. It was always fun writing Hiram for him. And mm. it's funny, like how, talent like it's amazing like talented people how nervous they get like he was so nervous before that of like i don't know all i I don't think i can keep these all straight like you do it you've done it several times it's gonna be great um but yeah he uh but uh, we did with the two show night i remember that first night him going on stage just like i don't know why i agreed to do this yeah sweating and and shaking sweating and shaking and then he did it and then going into the second show he was like that was a blast i can't wait (laughs) he needed to get it out once Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 but i mean the guy i don't even know I'm sure there are voices that he has that he even he doesn't know about yet. Mm-hmm. But he, he his range is so dynamic, and the characters are so crisp that, that that helps. But I know he had to take note. Like he did the same thing that I had to do, which maybe we'll talk about a little bit later, which is take notes on which one was which. Yeah. Like you have to remember. Like I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. I just listened to it and yeah. I just read it again, and I still can't remember. Yeah, because all five of Hiram's heads have a completely different personality, and he has, like, the default southern charming gentleman. That's the gold one. Yeah, the gold one. He's, like, the bossy, he's, like, the southern sort of, oh, yeah. Yeah, he's real charming. That was not an impersonation of, that was was not good. Um, And then, uh, then you have the... The red one is, like, the angry one. The angry one is the green one. That's green the one that's head. just shouting and, sh- yeah. and spitting fire on everything all the time. Violet <laughs> is the high, high-pitched one. Violet is the warrior. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. he's like, oh, what the, what the, what the, what the. Yeah. that was a better impersonation. And blue is the, um, actually head. Like that's the one that's correcting everything all the, no blue. I'm sorry. Gray is the, um, actually head. See, it's hard to keep track it of is. it. You're yeah, doing yeah. way better. He's, he's ER one. He's the like. Blue is the, and I thought blue was the mopey one. Good God. I just listened to the episode and I just, <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Do you yeah. see why he was nervous? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Jackson, it's going to be fine. Head out there. It's, it's great. Yeah, I don't remember great. either. <laughs> yeah, you go out because it's time, not because yeah, you're yeah. ready. <laughs> yeah, you do. There, there are so many storylines that are kind of coming to a head here. You Strex Corp, also the mayoral election, which is also tied to the disappearance of and reappearance of Dana. Now Carlos is gone. This does a really good job. This episode, I think, does a good job, even even with how it almost has a variety show feel to it. It's like coming out next, this character, and now this character's here. And yet still, you get a resolution to, to one story that also is a springboard for the next set of episodes because there's a lot... The right, I think the right things are left unresolved. Mm-hmm. How hard is that to figure out? All right, this is what we're, we need to tie up, and this is what we want to use. Like, how, how far ahead are you looking at this point now that you've, like, completed a major arc? I mean, a lot of this, it was just really finalizing a lot of that season. Like, this season started, not really, I keep saying season, but it's like this long-form story arc started with Yellow Helicopters, I think, which mm-hmm. was like episode 32 or something. But um, that was really a case where I just wrote that episode and sent it to Joseph and it completely changes the dynamic of the town when you have this like evil corporation who's like, we now own everything and we're taking over. And Joseph was like, well, this is a story we'll have to deal with. And so we did. And it took us the whatever 17, 18 episodes to, to, to resolve it. This was uh, old Oak doors is crazy because we really wanted to resolve all of those issues in this thing. We wanted to get all of those things situated and get Dana out of the other world and do the, the mayoral election and do this and that. Um, so it was really satisfying. And the thing that we were left with, is having Carlos stuck. Right. Right. And so that began a thing of like this this whole yellow helicopter Strex Corp storyline was so intense. It's so Avengers Endgame. Like it's so like the world is collapsing on us. Whereas that we it was sort of interesting to me to create a much more a much smaller story the next year, which is to have I don't know the difficulty of a young relationship and 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 especially one that's a, a long distance relationship. Right. I mean in a nightvale way because Carlos is stuck in a desert <laughs> other world. But it became interesting to be like go from like kind of a apocalyptic corporate overlord takeover of your town to let's set it up for the next season where it's much smaller. Let's have a real relationship drama and the the really much smaller struggles of human life. Well, and also, Carlos can't, just figured out that he, he didn't know that he could use his phone at all. <laughs> and it makes it lovely that you brought that up because then he is stuck there. So that, And then he's like, oh, well, I can actually still communicate with you. So that's great. <laughs> you know. And I think that's, uh, that was a lovely um, thing that helped us get to... Uh, device? Thank device. you. Plot that's device? the word. Plot mm-hmm. device? Thing. Yeah. You know, thing. writer thing. Mm-hmm. A thing. That's a technical Almost. term. But let's talk about something very important. Me. Yes. Um, yeah, of course. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Lauren and Kevin were talking all that smack, and they're like, oh, Tamika's in jail. Uh-uh, baby. <laughs> all the chains have been ripped off. She's gone. Um, when the, the not angels and the people go to try and save her, mm-hmm. she saved herself, guys. That's right. Um, Agency. Yeah, but they did tear down the fence from the company picnic, which they had been there for weeks. Mm-hmm. That's a mess. <laughs> it's a very intense company to work for. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, have fun, but be productive. Uh, we find that uh, she's gone, so we're trying to figure out where she is. And Lauren and Kevin come back. Um, I like the mission statement, where it's just like that, that ominous sound. It's like, and you listen to it for like 20 seconds. It's really long. It's very long, which I'm trying to remember even like what they looked like. Because... 
you know, when you see a, the live show, um, there's certain things that we'll do we, that makes it a little different because you're in front of a live audience so they can see your face and, you know, you can do funny like little bits together rather than something that you're doing like you're just recording at your home. So it's it's kind of fun to be able to have like a like a, a thing that you can do in front of people. And so when I wonder, do you remember what they were doing? Like, were they just standing there, like listening to the ominous sound? I don't remember. I was down in the basement. That, that feels like the choice when you do something like yeah. that. I, that would be my instinct. Yeah. Is yeah. To like just sort of hold wherever I am to hold that throughout the entire thing. Uh-huh. Like not move at all, mm-hmm. not change expression at all. Because <laughs> you want that sound to, you want it to feel like 20 seconds or yeah. longer of that noise, yeah, which is actually very similar to the mission statement of every company. It's just a bunch of <laughs> yeah, noise that's... that was come up with by a committee of people <laughs> yep. who cannot describe it to anybody. <sighs> yeah, that's basically it. That's basically it. Um, so uh, they're starting to talk about like what they could do to improve the town, and you know they'll fix the harbor, all that stuff, the uh-huh. fun complex, and all that thing, and fill in the hole uh, out back of the Ralphs. But where will they huddle? That's right. <laughs> I always thought that was so funny. Like when, like, why are you huddling in a hole? But like you're together, so that's good. Yeah. Um. But then they start talking about they're gonna tear down the library and like get rid of the librarians. And then here I come because I'm I don't don't mess with the library. That's right. Because as much as uh, Tamika's relationship to the library is always fascinating to me because like she's always in battle with it, but she loves it so very much. Yeah. Like it's it's almost like. It's almost like a hunters that kill deer because they love deer. They love deer. Yes. <laughs> it's there's something very strange about the idea of like I have to keep the librarian population in check, um, and so they are very dangerous but very beautiful creatures. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was that like for you, Symphony? What were those town hall shows like? You know, um, I had only done a few shows at that point, so I remember being like nervous. I was nervous about when exactly I was supposed to come out. Like, because usually Cecil will be like, and now in the studio we have Timmy Flynn. And then you come on and people are like, yay. And then you <laughs> start reading. But this one, I had to like interrupt Lauren. And I was like, now, 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 go. And I just like remember running out on stage and be like, don't you dare. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, so it was just, uh, I remember just being nervous and everybody was so talented and I felt like the kid sister was just like, Hey guys, <laughs> you know, I felt like they all knew each other. So it made me a little nervous, but I remember it being really exciting seeing, uh, you know, I just like performing and performing in front of people and it's pretty fun to bring a character to life in front of people that they've never seen before. You know, uh, that was a brand new experience for all those people. And it was just, the energy was just like, you know, and I felt like my body was like, "Ah!" (laughs) Um, you cannot see me, but I'm wiggling. I'm wiggling. Um, That's how I get excited. But yeah, and I I feel like I only met how I'd met you once. Right. Before that. And like, it was all these cool very funny improv people like and I always feel very intimidated I think I, we've talked about this a couple times on the show before but like I am not an improver I think I'm funny anecdotally I'm not funny like bam I got a joke you know um and it was just fun to talk to you guys and like be able to like riff with you a little bit and uh 
just I felt again like I was and everybody's so tall and I'm like the shortest person <laughs> so I felt like I was just like jumping like around people's shoulders and be like hey yeah that's funny guys <laughs> and then shoving food in my face because that's what I do when I get nervous <laughs> I just hovered over the 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 craft services table mm-hmm. I was just like carrots bread carrots bread Massage. I didn't though. That was good. Massage. massage. I didn't get massage. a massage. I didn't get a massage because I was nervous that I would fall asleep. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I didn't want to be too relaxed. That's like the nightmare of missing all your tests at school. As you fall, you're backstage. You're there. You're <laughs> dressed. You're ready. Yeah. You don't even have to memorize anything. The script is in hand. Yeah. And you fall the hell asleep. <laughs> the, that would be the worst. That's like the actor's nightmare. You yeah. know, when you're you're like you're like, oh wait, am I supposed I'm supposed to be somewhere? And they're like, and now so and so, and you're like still like mm-hmm. twelve feet. You're like, no. Have like, you? I made it. Have you already told the story about uh, about Mara running late at the show and Cecil? <laughs> promising that if anybody ever missed their cue, he would leave them in the dust. Yeah, he, t- he was like, if anybody ever misses their cue, I'm moving on. You're not getting you your get part. You get like oh 20 my. seconds of me vamping, and then I'm Oh, he didn't on. even promise that. Oh, he really? always I- is like, I'm leaving you. If you're not there, I'm moving on to the next page. We're going to the next scene. <laughs> like you're not leaving. And page. we've never really missed it, but then one time we were in that weird-ass Chicago theater. No, that, that was in Detroit. Oh, it was in At Detroit. The That's right. It was in Detroit. Mara had hit her head on the... in the. She was in the bathroom. She, You know, when before you go on stage, you're like do I have to pee? Like right now, do I have to pee? What's happening? And so she was just like, okay, I'm just going to go to the bathroom really quick and went to the bathroom and she hit her head on the like towel thing, like pulling the towel. And she was like, uh, and then she heard, and that was this whole woman. So she comes tearing down the stairs uh-huh. and Mara is also small and yeah. in heels in a dress. And she's like, ah, that's me. And she ends up like skidding on stage. She made it. She was fine. She was fine. But yeah, Cecil did vamp for like half a minute or more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, you're so, you're so, I love Cecil. He's so, he's like, no, I will leave you in the dust. And then when you're struggling with something, he's like, I, I'll help you out. Just, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll save you some time. He just, he just threatens. He yeah, just he's threat, he's a threatens people, but he doesn't mean it. He's a gentle baby. He is. So now we've, uh, in the first part of this, we have, of course, all these characters come on. Dana, Carlos comes, um, comes in, um, and it's lovely to hear from them obviously mm-hmm. um and then we go back to uh the election stuff that i always like that 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 was like the secondary they're like oh right and the election which it should be a huge local event right right but oh no but oh no we have these other things yeah we set up the election kind of early on in the show and then we we're like this is something we'll have to resolve we did a live show called the debate and have you guys already done that you guys yep. did the debate already oh, yeah. yes uh, or did we do con- no i think you did condos, we did condos. i don't think we've done the debate yet, Not yet. Uh, the debate was amazing because that's where we met so many of the thrilling adventure hour people yeah because that was a case where that was a whole the debate was a whole not to sidetrack too much but we did this live show called the debate in brooklyn in 2013 mm-hmm. and we really did it because thrilling adventure hour we'd met those folks and we met hal and and the and the bens and uh the bens were like hey we're gonna be at new york comic-con come see our show and also you know uh, if, if you want any of our folks on your show, just let, just let, you know, throw them a couple bucks and let them know. We're like, great. And so we sent out the call and like five people from Thrilling Adventure are like you and Mark Gagliardi and Jackson mm-hmm. Public and Mark Evan Jackson and, uh, and Annie, Annie, Annie yeah. Savage all showed up. And we're like, well, I guess we should write a show. And uh, <laughs> like within like two weeks, we had written the debate and threw that together. But yeah, we had to resolve that. But all this Strex Corp stuff happened. And it seemed like fitting. It seemed like a good like American storyline for that, that we the... forget about local politics. 
was that the one that you guys did um, at the Bell House? No, we did it at Roulette, which oh, okay. is uh, in downtown Brooklyn. I'm just trying to remember what the show was. That Maybe it was just a thrilling adventure uh, Nightville crossover or something at the Bell House. That's when I actually met you guys. Oh, interesting. Yeah, we didn't do the crossover at the Bell yeah, House. We did it in Seattle and San Diego. Yeah. Then what was that? Who knows? Who, Who knows? can tell? <laughs> Who remembers? <laughs> this live crowd is loving it. <laughs> My memories of shows. Uh-huh. And then we have uh, John Peters comes on with Maureen, intern Maureen, and she gives it to Cecil about yeah. all the interns dying. She's like, look, I came here for college credit and all this stuff. And he, I mean, this is the first time we've really like confronted Cecil about like his abuse, really, of the interns. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, right. And intern Jeremy, like <laughs> he's gone too. And you're like, <laughs> he just like is so oblivious to yeah. that whole thing. And I... I think that's been one of the through lines that I absolutely love because it's just like flippantly the murder or disappearance or whatever of all these people. And you're just like, yeah, well, okay, it's fine yeah. to their families. Bye. And the, the, the promise of college credit is enough to make her relent and go, okay, fine. Fine. Like yeah. she's aware. You also get the sense that maybe all these interns know that they're going to die. Yes. But the idea that they might get college credit and live is enough for them to continue in the job. <laughs> right. That they're willing to do it. Like, there's there's no way that she's the only one who's aware of how poorly they're treated. She's the only one who said anything. Right. That's how that's how revolutions start. Exactly. Those interns are talking at your office. They're all talking to one another. Um, I think this was this show was the first time we met Maureen Johnson in person, too. It was like when she came to the rehearsal. And I was so excited because I love Maureen Johnson on Twitter. is really an amazing uh, follow. And uh, but we got to know her because she we in an earlier episode we had named a, we had named an intern intern Maureen uh, because we just enjoyed Maureen and we had interacted with her on Twitter before. And so she got excited that there was an intern Maureen, and then we killed her in an episode. Um, and then um, and then she basically threw she threw a very funny fit on Twitter about it. And um, it was like, somebody tell them to bring bring her back or whatever. And so we just, we just messaged her and was like, we'll bring Maureen back if you play her on stage live uh, when I we do the show. She said she was so nervous. She was really, really nervous. Well, she looked really great. She had this, her dress was like this blue and black iridescent. This is so weird that I even remember this. Um, but I'm like, ooh, fabulous outfit. Um, it was like this blue and black iridescent dress but it had this huge collar that was like up around her ears and her head and I was like whoa she looked like a quain it was beautiful um I just remember that and then she was like I'm so nervous I was like you did great yeah but I think she had the same nerves that I did because she wasn't sure when she should actually go on and she didn't want to like miss her thing but she was fine when you do a live show and especially for every different theater there's a different distance from from the wings to your spot on stage mm -hmm. so you always have to calculate all right at what point in the in the sentence where where i enter am i supposed to come in so that i don't step on the line but also it it by time he it's the end of it we're not waiting 5 seconds for, for, someone for whoever up. it is to get there and yeah. town hall is a wide is a wide stage, if I remember. Big it was a little theater. bit of a hike. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's always a legitimate fear, but in that space in particular, it could happen very easily that the timing could be off. Yeah. Did you know I count my steps, like during soundcheck, I count the steps from oh. backstage to the microphone? No. That's no. how I, I know. I, I know. It's so exact. I'm 
very mm-hmm. I'm very nuts about stuff okay. sometimes. Super like, scientific. Must be perfect. Yeah. Um, so I'll count my steps and I'll be like, thirteen. And the, the sound people are usually like, "What the hell is she doing?" And I'm like, thirteen. <laughs> yes. Okay, thirteen. That's amazing. And then I like walk away, and they're like, "Okay, you weirdo." Um, but it helps me. It quells my mind for, and plus I'm usually in heels, so I know how like I need to toddle out there on my heels. You, you got know? a bachelor of science in acting. That's what you did. I do have a bachelor <laughs> of science. I'm a scientist. That's awesome. That's right. Um, that's what I tell people. I used to tell my ex-boyfriend that. that I'm like, I'm a scientist. He's like, Scientologist. I'm like, oh, no. good, good retort. I was like, burn. <laughs> Sick burn. <laughs> um, so then Steve comes out. Hi, Steve. Yeah. Hey, Steve. I think this was, maybe this was after, was it after the town hall show for Thrilling that we went to that restaurant around the corner? And yes. we hung out and we all got there early and I was talking to Joseph and he told me about the anniversary show. I think at that point I knew I was uh-huh. coming, but I had no idea what I was doing. And he was like, I realized watching the show that you can do a lot of voices like mm-hmm. that had not registered with him before. And he said, I like to, I don't think he said challenge actors. <laughs> Somewhere between challenge and screw over. I can't think yeah, of the yeah. word, but like I like to challenge actors. So I, I'm going to have you do the voice of every other actor who's ever been on the show. <laughs> and I, I immediately got a panic uh-huh. and a, a pit in my stomach because I, I couldn't think of how many. I had to make, I made a reference file out of with samples of everybody's voice and I studied it leading up to Wait, the flight. Wait, really? On the flight, yeah, I had to take notes for which which of Hiram's heads was which, mm-hmm. oh. and it's very hard to listen to. And also doing Dylan's voice because he's got such a distinct voice, yeah, you without it job. sounding uh, insulting, right? Because I think when somebody has a higher pitched voice, which he does, it's not really that high pitched, but it's so distinct, yeah, without it being offensive, that that felt like a challenge, yeah. Um, <laughs> And I still think I missed one of the he- one of the heads. I never got right, and I and I came off after the first one. And I talked to Jackson uh-huh. about it. I was like, "So how did I do?" He's like, "Yeah, that one. You're not quite there." <laughs> and then I went and did it again, and it felt like uh, when I took my driving test <laughs> in in Pennsylvania. At least you had to you had to parallel park. I assume you have to do that everywhere. And if you if you touch the curb, you automatically fail. But you also oh. have to be within twelve inches. So I. When I took the test, I was thinking about that. I was like, any one of these things, I don't get my driver's license. So I parked maybe two feet away from the curb. And the instructor said, you get one forward and one reverse to get closer. And I went like forward and reverse, did not turn, did not get close to the curb, <laughs> thought I was being tricked. I did get the license. But <laughs> that second show felt like the same thing. That I, All I did was go forward and reverse. I couldn't uh, quite get there. Uh, but, but also, uh, character-wise... This and September monologues were a huge turn in in who Steve Carlsberg was to the audience mm-hmm. and yeah. Cecil. Yeah, because having you Hal do the voice of Steve, like the because the Steve was er, very early on in the show as this other person that we never hear his voice and we just know Cecil hates him, and so the fandom was very much like oh fucking Steve, like we just yeah. hate that guy, and um, it's really interesting to put. Because the voice you give him is is kind of is really charming, mm. and so you start, you know what I mean? Like it's it's yeah. goofy, like it's not necessarily like oh, I want to be Steve's friend. I could see where like maybe a person like Steve might be annoying, 
but there's nothing awful about him. He right. seems like a, a, a deep down a good, good person, mm -hmm. even if you're not going to be besties with him. But uh, yeah, that was a really interesting turn. So now we start getting you on stage with Cecil and people are like, <laughs> turning against Cecil a little bit because yeah. uh, they're like, oh, Steve's really sweet. Right. He seems like a nice guy. Like, why are you so mean to him? Yeah. You know, like for like absolutely no reason. Um, but, you know, and this is also uh, where we realize like, don't mess with Janice because Steve will come for you. He, you turned mm -hmm. like when uh, Kevin was like, oh, we'll fix her. And your voice, I just remember being like, whoa. That's so intense because you see, uh, you see, Steve is this like, <laughs> like kind of guy, mm -hmm. and then, and then he's like, "Don't fuck with my kid," yeah. you know. <laughs> and I just like, I, I, I have a soft spot in my heart for Steve. Oh, Steve. Oh, Steve. Steve. And his nasty scones. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, every time we do a live show, I always uh, just the way the script is written, it always starts really benign and it gets super dark. So that's an opportunity to take him out of his normal, like, up here voice and then go down here really deep. Yes. Yeah. So for th that, which was such a hero moment, I was like, mm -hmm. wow, this is like, he's really doing the right thing. That was a good, I don't think I've ever done that particularly in, another, in, a, in any show since. That was a really fun uh, kind of challenge moment to play. And Kevin was so, like, everybody was so great. You have, like, the best scene partners. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but also... The, that moment kind of drives home the idea that for Strex, Night Vale is completely broken. Everything that makes Night Vale Night Vale is wrong mm -hmm. and needs to be fixed. And it's it's funny when it's the whole behind the Ralphs or uh, destroy the library. But when it becomes – when you take something that's that's a, a, con a comedic concept at large and they go granular with it, all of a sudden it becomes, well, because this – this little girl is in a wheelchair, which she's been in since birth. She's broken and therefore needs to be fixed, that she's less than. Yeah. So the the brilliance in the writing there, taking that concept, making it hit home, and also doing something you do so well, which is trying to think, just sort of a natural representation that people, everybody deserves to be heard and everybody, we are all the same and, and of equal value to one another. So... And it's something you do without pandering, which I always, re I think is very impressive. Thanks. That's, that's something that people are like, well, we have to get some representation in there. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. But for you and Joseph, that's how you think. And so that's what the world is. And that's something that I've heard from, from fans that I've spoken to, that that particular moment means so much for that exact reason that that nobody's looked at as as different or less than, yeah. which is really great. Yeah, you can't diversity hire. You can you have to do that on its base level, but then you have to do it not just to meet that one item on the rubric, right? You have to like, the whole idea of having different people in your life or different people in your story is that they add something to it. And right. so like, it's not just checking a box. Um, yeah, the, the, the fixing Janice thing, like the terminology of fixing versus helping, like that's very much like a, it's not satire because that's not a funny scene, but it's definitely playing off the idea of how, I think more individualistic people talk about something like welfare. As in, like, uh, well, why, why, you know, they don't, they want to fix poverty rather than help people. You know what I mean? And fixing and helping are very, very different things. Yeah. And in fact, while the actions may be similar, they may be by action, fixing and helping might be synonymous. Like in attitude, they're antonyms, right? Like they're very, very different reasons for wanting to do anything. Yeah. Well, we've learned that. There's no need to fix a person. No. You're, you're perfect just the way you are, baby. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so then we keep going forward. Dana is back. Uh, people are starting to come through the doors, all that stuff. And then Dana and Tamika kind of have a little crossed wires on uh, what the town needs to uh, be saved. Uh, Dana is saying, stay inside. Let the let these other people, the angel, not angels, and uh, whatnot, uh, take in the giants, save us. And Tamika's like, no, get out in the streets. Do your duty as a citizen and protect your town for yourself. Because it, it, being a hero is not uh, not a thing. Just be a person. Be a human. Be a citizen. Go out there and fight for what you love. Fight for what you believe in. And so, we're. Not, I mean, do we have a resolved? I don't know if that was actually resolved. But I think I won. <laughs> Personally, well, the, the town kind of does come together. You do have that that end game moment where all the different, all these characters that you maybe haven't heard from very often, mm-hmm. that they all show up and are part of the fight. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the smooth river rock, <laughs> yes, uh, yes, yeah, all, all all the characters. That that's ultimately what wins the war, mm-hmm. which is hard to do in a pot. Have a war like there's there are good moments of of Tamika using uh, books and slingshot to actually mm-hmm. fight. There's yeah. Steve throwing Kevin through a door, but a lot of it has to be <laughs> narrated by Cecil. Right. So that's a it's an interesting challenge to have. Like this is visually spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> like that that becomes uh, the, sort of the last third of of the episode. Yeah. Uh, and and then we also have that uh, a bit of audience participation where uh, we get everybody, uh, Cecil gets everyone to shout, take down Strux, take down Strux. Um, that was the funnest. And I always love when there's any sort of audience participation. Mm-hmm. Was that the first time that uh, we had done that? You had done that in a live show? No, because... No, because like the very the first library. live show condos, Joseph wrote a traffic report. that We, we didn't have the audience... Do anything. Doing anything, but it was very much... It was like picture a thing, right? Yeah, it was the the thing about like picture a car on a road and then now imagine that car in a lake. Just place that car in a lake. Just imagine that car in a lake. Um, All right, we're getting word that uh, we have successfully used telekinetics to kill a driver somewhere in the world. (laughs) Good job, you all. And that was the one where the audience got real excited because it was like, we did it. (laughs) 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 We finally killed a man we don't know. (laughs) Together. Together. Um, But in in the end, we end up with Carlos still in the, um, once everybody comes together and fights uh, Strax, drives them out of town, you know, Carlos ends up still being stuck because the door is closed behind everyone else. And he's still on the other side, which sets us up for this next um, arc uh, in the storyline. And Erica, the Erica's Uh bought Strax, which... That's very cool. Yes, because nobody was there. No one was there to say <laughs> otherwise. Um, which they just said, I we love. buy you. That's it. That's all it takes mm-hmm. in corporate it's America. Very, it's very easy. If the other no paperwork, group, yeah, you, they don't show up to the boardroom. Those are the laws. <laughs> you yep, just plant are, your flag mm-hmm. and you're like, I claim this for night fail. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and then the, uh, the election. But uh, I think it's time for us to... Uh, talk about the weather. Let's talk about it. The weather for this episode was uh, Call of Your Ghost by Dessa featuring Abby Wolf and DJ Paper Tiger. I think it's Call, call off, off Your Ghost. How about you start that over? <laughs> oh, it says Call Of. It's call wrong. Of Your Ghost. It's that, Call Off Your you, Ghost. You're thinking of, the uh, that Jack London? Yes. Uh, call of call, call of the of ghost. Your, call of your ghost. Yeah. I remember Dessa's book, Call of the Ghost. <laughs> it's Call Off Your Ghost by Dessa featuring Abby Wolf and DJ Paper Tiger. Dessa, like, everybody who does the weather is great. Yeah. 
But this has got to be like a top three in terms of go, Honestly. Like, we'll go into the crowds, mm-hmm. stand we'll, on chairs, like yeah. right above people. It's amazing. Get people to turn their phones, like their lights on. It's spectacular. She is a spect. If you ever get a chance, please go see Dessa. She is one of the best performers and just like so intense and like so you feel no matter if it's like 50 people or a thousand people, you feel so close to her. Yeah. Like it's very intimate. I've never seen, I've seen very few people with the stage presence she has. Like she just is so dynamic. I, I remember watching her at one of the, on one of the tours that she was on and I was standing backstage with Cecil, who I think has tremendous stage presence. Like mm. he's so grounded and he was just watching her and he was like, just, he just kept pointing at what she was doing. He was like, <laughs> look at what she does with her feet. It's amazing. They don't move. And when they do, like, it's so decisive. Yeah. And like just watching Cecil admired Dessa's just like footwork as a, as a performer is so, so phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, there's no wasted mo- like there's no wasted anything. Everything no. has purpose, and the audience is completely drawn in. And s- some of that, some of that is just stagecraft and skill, but some of that is innate. She's mm. just got a a charisma, like a magnetic charisma to her yeah. that oozes the second she walks out. You're like, oh, let me see who this is. Can I tell you quickly the first time uh, Joseph and I met Roman Mars of 99% Invisible and we walked up and introduced ourselves and we're like, we're Joseph and Jeffrey from Welcome to Night. And he's like, oh my God, hi, it's so good to meet you. You guys toured with Dessa. <laughs> and he got real like fanboy about Dessa. I was like, yeah, we, we do a show too. And um, hi. <laughs> Is it the Dessa show? Tell yeah, me about tell it. Tell me about Dessa. <laughs> <laughs> it was really tremendous. And, uh, you know, I it being have been, having been on tour with Dessa a number of times, I've heard that song now, like, a ton of times. But every time, every time, I feel like I always want to do the har- the harmony that Abby does. Mm-hmm. So I'm, like, backstage, like, I love your ghost. <laughs> uh, that was me. I have one finger in the air, and I'm like, huh. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, it's awesome. And Abby is playing, like, the beat. Drum pads? Drum pads? Yep. Um, <laughs> and she's like playing with like sticks and stuff. I, guys, I'm not a musician. <laughs> she's got Lincoln Logs out. She's building, building a yeah, cabin. She's got like sticks and stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. like really cool. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just fantastic to see. And they play off each other so well. Obviously, they have sang together for years and years. So they know each other's shorthand. Again, like we were talking about with musicians, it's fantastic to see them. You see, it's just like a side glance. And all of a sudden, they change something. And like, you know where the modification of uh, the notes are and things like that. It's Makes me so excited. So yeah. if you get a chance to, and because I know they tour together a lot, Abby and Dessa and currently Moniker, it's just dope. So please go see it if you uh, get a chance. Yeah. You guys, we've done it. And now we should go into the Fan Zone Calzone. Fan Zone Calzone. Stay right there. Good Morning Night Vale will return after a brief break. That's the sound of me smelling my own armpit because I smell like a coconut vanilla cookie. And I smell like that because of native deodorant. Good Morning Night Vale is very pleased to be able to offer you 20% off of your first purchase of native deodorant by going to nativedeodorant.com and entering promo code GOODMORNING at checkout. I find myself very lucky to live in a time in history when deodorant exists. Think about how bad George Washington must have smelled and be grateful that you don't have to go anywhere near that. I don't want you to be stinky. I want you to smell great. And I want you to do that without endangering your body with harsh chemicals. 
Native Deodorant can do that for you. Their products are naturally formulated and aluminum free. So you're not gonna be slowly poisoned by your own armpits. You're gonna have to find another way to die. And while you're finding that other way to die, you will smell great with a naturally derived deodorant that actually works. Native deodorant is not tested on animals, so no narwhals, which are real, will be injured for you to smell awesome. Visit nativedeodorant.com, use promo code GOODMORNING, and don't smell like George Washington. Do you have trouble getting the sleepies like I do, having a good night's sleep, like a full night's sleep? Let me introduce you to Feels, which is the premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep. If you're like me and you have trouble, if you have stress, if you have anxiety, pain, or sleeplessness, then you just put a few drops of Feels under your tongue and you'll feel the difference within minutes. And if you're like me and you are new to CBD like I was, they offer a free CBD hotline to help guide your personal experience. Feels has me feeling my best every day and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash good morning and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash good morning to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash good morning. Uh, so if you have live fan zone theories or questions, feel free to line up at that microphone. We do have some uh, that were that were sent in. People mm-hmm. email us. They call us. It happens. Uh, and here are, some, here are some of those, Symphony. First, we have Beth. Beth writes, hey, gang. Hey. <laughs> hey. Um, I hope you're all having a great day. I am. We are. Um, Long time fan here. I've been listening since 2012. OG. OG. Mm-hmm. And I've re-listened to the episodes a bunch of times, but I've lost count about how many times I've listened to Old Oak Doors. 43. First of all, that is very hard for me to say. I have to say it real yeah. slow. Old Oak Doors. Because otherwise, oh, oh, dirt. Um, <laughs> uh, they are uh, such a standout episode for me. But something that I really loved was a quote from Carlos. I did a physics degree. I did a physics degree. Okay. That's how physicists say it. I've done a physics degree at uni. <laughs> Ooh. And being a girl and being a creative, I'm a writer too. I've gotten a lot of comments from people uh, being surprised about my love of science. So when Carlos says, I'm no hero, I'm a scientist, I fell in love. We all did. Um, That quote stuck with me through my degree and still has over two years after graduating. It was such a small piece, but so brilliant and beautiful. I wanted to ask what line from Night Vale has stuck with you guys the most? Anyways, that's all I wanted to say. I just lo- really love that line, and you guys too. Good morning, Night Vale brings me so much joy and laughter and a great sense of nostalgia. Keep being awesome, and Merry Christmas. Thank you, um, Beth. <laughs> and a happy Christmas to you too, Beth. Um, <laughs> uh, I think one of my favorite, I mean, there's so many iconic Tamika lines and they can be very inspirational and stuff like that. But there's one from a live show that I love that was like, bam, bunch of books. <laughs> and I just, <laughs> I, that was one of the most fun for me to say, because I'd be like, try and switch it up. And I'd be like, bam, bunch of books. Because <laughs> you're just like, dropping books on people. And visually for me in my head, I was like, yes. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that is the one for me, guys. 
I'm trying to think about. <laughs> like, um, I know no lines. I know. I don't remember. Uh, it's so hard. I was also trying to like avoid ones that I wrote, but I do get <laughs> confused. I, I will think of it like actually listening to Old Oak Doors. There is one at the beginning. I'm, I'm not going to try and find it. I was trying to find it earlier, but uh, it's right at the beginning when uh, Lauren and Kevin are out there. And uh, I don't know. They're just kind of having banter. And at one point in time, he Kevin says, my my grandmother they they bring up a phrase like the most important oh, part of human yeah. the most important part of humanity is productivity right. or something like that and that's what my grandmother used to say all the time in fact she she embroidered it on a throw pillow and, and she then, sold it to yeah him. And, he, and then he was like and then uh, lauren kind of admires it and then uh, you know says oh that's very sweet and kevin says yeah i loved it so much she sold me one Uh, classic classic i love uh this is an iconic line but my favorite of of mine is probably from ghost stories where steve tells the story of a a school bus full of children Uh who who all died Uh but then you find out later that it's it was all natural causes (laughs) the line is something like like uh you know it was 50 years ago 50 years ago i'm pretty sure most of them are dead by now something like that (laughs) yeah it's a great punchline that is really bad when you don't remember it and then try to relay it without the setup. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to go with. I'm locking it in. Have, have you guys told the story about, because one of my favorite lines that's in every live show, has Meg told this story on, oh, on this? Oh, love of every kind. Have you guys talked about love of every kind? Uh, I don't know if we have. No. I don't um, think so. During when we did when we toured the librarian, there's like at the after the weather, Cecil's having the come down and just like here's the moral of the story, here's all the things that happened, here's how we resolved it. And it's just this kind of beautiful passage about love and he says, you know, love of this, love of that, love of every kind. And I was backstage during one of our first tours of that show and I was standing next to Meg and Meg just looked at me and she goes, Love of every kind. And, I, and we both just kind of were like, and I just found it really funny. And so we just, that line, we just kept doing that back and forth backstage of like, every kind. Every kind of. <laughs> and like the value of love of every kind. And then so now in every single live show, we have the phrase love of every yeah. kind every single time. So that was it. So that's, a, that's a little so, Easter egg for you. That's an Easter egg. If you come to a live show, find love of every kind. Uh, also, uh, another Easter egg for live shows, uh, at least the ones that I go to, mm-hmm. is the curtain calls are themed, <sighs> which I don't know. I think I started it. Did I start yeah, that? You sure did, bud. It was like, all right, uh, everybody, uh, everybody's an athlete, and then you come out, and then you do something. All right, everybody do a dance move. Mm-hmm. Everybody do, like, whatever. Super high energy. You're coming out as the host of SNL. So when you see a live show, uh, particularly when I'm there, we have we have figured out a theme which we tell Cecil as soon as he comes off stage at the end of the show and which he may or may not do. (laughs) You do not know. You never know with that one. Yeah. Uh, Here's another question. Uh, Logan writes, Meg, Symphony, and Hal. Mm -hmm. Hey guys, my name's Logan and I'm sending in my headcanon for Lauren Mallard. So I imagine Lauren to be in her mid-30s with the I want to speak to your manager face, not the haircut, but the face. With... (laughs) (laughs) Okay. To be noted, uh, with with straight chocolate brown hair that goes to her mid waist. That is actually the opposite of the I want to speak to your manager haircut, right? Yeah. Um, I also imagine that she wears an orange button up shirt with blood stains. <laughs> I think the manager would come running to you if you had blood stains <laughs> um, and a knee length black pencil skirt. This is a good cake song, I remember. Um, 
Thank you so much if you guys see this. I love the show so much. Thank you for everything you all have done. Good vibes, Logan. And then there's a picture of an alien. Good vibes. <laughs> That's the best part. That is the best part. I've gotten good. There was no question in that. Uh, so I apologize for setting that up as a question. It was just a statement. <laughs> and, and as always, because it's your headcanon, it is correct for you. It is. It is absolutely correct. 100% Thank you, correct. Logan. That was beautiful. Well done. Elise writes, good morning, Night Vale. Good morning. <laughs> it is morning here. Good morning. Good job. Yes. You guessed right. Normally, it's nighttime, and I'm in my underwear. <laughs> <laughs> Same. My theory on why Cecil hated Steve Carlsberg in the early episodes is because Steve's knowledge of the truth of things could potentially get Janice or Cecil's sister sent in for re-education if they listened to and believed him. We know that Steve Carlsberg is right about most things. That's correct. And in Night Vale, that is extremely dangerous. So in my opinion, Cecil was always trying to protect his family by making Steve seem harmless and unlikable. Okay. Uh, Did you write this? Oh, also. No, not at all. Also, how... <laughs> Hal once interacted with me on Tumblr, and it made my whole week. Smiley face, but the one with the D, so they're a little like, hey! <laughs> Sincerely, Elise. Uh, A.K.A. Hal Lublin. Yeah. There, I think his knowledge certainly puts a lot of people at risk. There may be some truth to that. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there are other... I think <laughs> time has shown that maybe there are some other contributing factors, but certainly that would make sense. Uh, again, Steve is the hero of Nightville. Yeah. <laughs> I always feel with conspiracies or like elaborate theories on like why, like the deeper reasons why somebody's doing something. Like we're always like, you know, the phrase a few years ago that was popular, like he's playing 20 dimensional chess or whatever. Mm -hmm. Although I did hear somebody refer to it as three dimensional chess. And I'm like, that's just chess. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> But like I, I think with conspiracies, I always in my in my mind it's always like, man, that guy is totally playing three dimensional chess right now. Um, it is. I, I always think Occam's Razor, right? Like it, it, I think we sort of assume people are thinking much more in advance of like how to do things. And I always think about one of the lessons my stepfather taught. Uh, he was a corporate guy. And one of the things he taught is he said, people are inherently lazy. It, it really stuck with me because he was like, I think the deeper meaning I get out of that was not that people are bad. It's just that we're all trying to do our jobs and there are just certain things we're going to let go in favor of other things. And so some things we're going to be lazy about. And I just, I think you know, lazy is a loose term, but I think that in, in some ways, like we're just going about our lives and we're not really thinking about, okay, here's the careful way I have to talk about my niece Janice and Steve and all this stuff because I don't want her to get reeducated or whatever. Like, I think in a lot of ways, he probably just hates Steve and he's never really <laughs> dealt with why he hate why he's so annoyed with somebody as opposed to like a deeper reason yeah. why, um, why he's trying to stage a whole elaborate thing. I was like... Mostly people dislike somebody because they just haven't really confronted all of the things within themselves they don't like. Yeah. And there's also like a real, the real life, he's the interloper into the family. He's not actually Janice's biological dad. Right. So he comes in and there are going to be a lot of questions that, that he'll have that he has to, he has to go through that journey himself and they have to figure each other out. And it's still, it's still going even in the live shows, mm -hmm. like there's a little bit more of it, but I like I I like that tension. I think it yeah. should always be there. This was the episode too, where Steve, because Steve is married to to Abby, who is Cecil's sister. Yes. So and he, uh, but this is the episode where we refer to Steve as Cecil's stepbrother. Right. Which is, I think, not legal. No. Correct. We that tried very hard. We realized the mistake, and we tried really hard. Is it possible? 
for him to be Cecil's stepbrother without it being gross. And then, and then you and had it to was impossible. It. And later we just addressed it. But yeah, yeah. anyways, that's it. <laughs> this has been great. Thank you to Podex. Thanks, uh, Podex. To the crew, to everybody who put it together, the organizers. Thanks to all of you for coming uh, and enjoying Night Vale and enjoying listening to us talk about it and us all commuting about it together. Uh, that is it for now. If you want to support the show and you are not doing so already, you can go to patreon.com forward slash good morning night vale. Uh, that is it for now. And until next time, good morning, Night Vale. Good Morning Night Vale is a Night Vale Presents production. It is hosted by Symphony Sanders, Hal Lublin, and special guest host Jeffrey Craner. It is edited by Grant Stewart and mixed by Vincent Cascione. It is produced by Meg Bashwinner. Theme music by Disparition. This episode was recorded live at Pod X in Nashville, Tennessee. Leave us a voicemail at 929-277-2050 or email us at info at goodmorningnightvale.com to share your theories and ask questions or to tell us that you're not mad at us for releasing episode 49 before episodes 47 or 48. This show is powered by our patrons like Alexander Ann, Larry Williams, Marianne Limoncelli, Susie, and Haley. If you are interested in supporting this show in exchange for lots of fun, exclusive, hyper-cool kid content, like a video of the three hosts in Hal's Kitchen making scones, and other extremely wholesome content, check us out at patreon.com slash goodmorningnightvale. For more information on this show, go to goodmorningnightvale.com and follow us on Facebook and on Twitter at nightvalechat. Special thanks to Christy Gressman, Jeffrey Craner, Joseph Fink, Adam Cecil, and the entire team at PodX. Today's adverb is healthy. Sometimes you have to prioritize self-care and time with family over recording schedules, and that is a healthy way to live your life, even if it means releasing your recap podcast out of order. I want you to write a story about a wedding reception. I want you to make that story two minutes. That's about 200 to 250 words when you read it out loud. Finish it, refine it a bit, work on it, get it to somewhere that you are happy with it. I want you to delete it. That's me, Joseph Fink, giving a short writing assignment on me and my Welcome to Night Vale co-writer, Jeffrey Craner's new podcast, Start With This. If that prompt sparked your creativity, then give it a listen, because on this show, it's you who will do the creating. Not sure where to start? Start with this. Find it wherever you get your podcasts.